throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with host Gord Riddell. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, welcome to Things Worth Considering. Uh, this is your host, Gord Riddell, and I am here with my co-host, Alexia Georgiousis. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm just going to trip over your name every time. It's you just said a, it's it an perfectly. Opening. <laughs> <laughs> it's an opening. I have to work so hard, and my brain's kind of mush. Um, well, I appreciate your efforts because you said it absolutely perfectly. I Let's see if I go to Greece if I can say it just as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be who? <laughs> really really um so you know before we get going i i think i want to tell people that beginning on july the 8th we're going live yes Meaning we are exciting you can phone in not you you better be here with me. <laughs> but uh we are going to go live and uh at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific and uh you'll be able to call in and chat with us and become part of the, the discussion that we keep going yeah, so, very exciting. Very exciting. This going to be very exciting. Very exciting. So we just have to remember to keep announcing that and, uh, yeah, get your questions ready. We're, uh, we're looking forward to it. It'll be mm -hmm. exciting. So today, you know what? We're going to talk about parenting, about parenting during this pandemic, uh, because I think there's certainly, you know, challenges that go with this. You know, the challenge of uh, being at home. An awful lot of parents are at home right now. Uh, they're, not, they're not going to work. The kids are at home. They're not in school. And everybody's spending a lot more time than they've probably ever spent in their entire life. Um, and that that just brings so many problems, you know, to the surface by itself. It really does. I mean, you know, people, you know, husbands and wives, husbands and husbands, wives and wives, whatever. Uh, they're, they probably have never spent this much time together, you know. Oh. Two yeah, weeks, roommates, two weeks on your, your honeymoon was doesn't count here, you know, when you've been at home for 10, 11, 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, and here in Ontario, they've just extended it for like another four. Uh, yeah. That's getting way up there. And there's a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, disgruntled people. We talked a little bit about it when I said, to, you know, like being angry is, is okay to be angry, but don't direct it at the people who are probably feeling just as angry as you are. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, I don't know, taking into consideration how your spouse feels about you being around all the time, uh, and the kids. Well, and I think that it's, it's so challenging for anyone, like, as you said, to be in close quarters, or even if you do have space, but limited, for example, going for a walk or going to a play park or being out in nature where, you know, you can't basically in terms of being able to enjoy as you would have in the past with the parents and with families and kids, I think it depends a lot on the age range. Um, I was chatting with my brother who has two children, one's 10 and one's 16 and him and his wife are both working from home and the challenges that they've had to face. And he said to me, yeah, some weeks it's great. And some weeks it's brutal. Exactly. So, and that's, and you didn't say days. You said yeah. weeks. He said weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's, that's a big difference between you know, it's not a great day yeah. compared to this is not a great week. Yeah. 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 And, and it's taxing. Gonna, pretty soon it'll be months, you know. It's it, well, it, not been a good month. No, no. And hopefully not. I mean, I think the adjustments, but but I, I think the, the idea that we are in, again, facing ourselves and each other and really having to pay attention to our own sense of mood and how do we take care of ourselves and for parents, I think it's even more challenging because not only do they have to keep their own awareness of their own emotions, but also being in a place where if their child is acting up, how do they have space for this child and be able to be there in a very compassionate way, which I think is incredibly, incredibly difficult. Incredibly difficult. Incredibly. You know, there's, there's uh, you know, parents are almost expected to be in some way superhuman. You know, they have, they have this benevolence and, you know, when they're feeling malevolent um, <laughs> and, and just having to put 
all of this this energy there and and uh you know i certainly feel for for the parents but also really you know have concern for the kids too um because you know the attitudes that we hold the behaviors that we have are direct direct relationship to how we we grew up and to, to how we were raised you know i mean people who value other people uh you know, uh, and value themselves grew up with being valued themselves. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, these are learned, learned things. So when I see people that are just incredibly, uh, self-centered or incredibly, you know, um, that's the word I was looking for when they feel that they have the right to every entitled, that's where I'm looking for is entitled. Entitlement doesn't fly very far with me. Um, because, that's not my upbringing. My upbringing was if you want it, then you're going to work for it. Right, um, right. And, you know, I wasn't given a set of car keys at 16. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was because it was my money. I've been saving up yeah. since I was like 12, you know, to, to do that and go get a car. So my dad took me and we, we, uh, we negotiated this really old, you know, beat up thing. But it still ran for quite a while. And, and it wasn't like, yo, here, you know, here's a set of keys enjoy and and that that just becomes that uh, society owes them somehow and yes and I, I and i absolutely agree with you i think that as a collective part of this experience is that we have become in a way relatively spoiled in terms of our comfort zone and having comforts and being used to things and this fact that we've had to slow down, which is actually a benefit on on many levels. Yes. But then there's this other part where it's it's this sense of well, I'm so used to having this ease, then why can't I have it now? And you know, suddenly it's a sense of wait a minute, how am I responsible for my own well being or my own happiness? And it's making us see how much we've been either dependent or reliant on having something outside of ourselves be the source of our joy or happiness and things to, to, to work in this particular way. And we want our schedules to be the same. We want this familiarity. We don't want to have to adapt or change. And I think that's part of why people are getting angry and irritable and impatient is because they're having to really, uh, you know, unconsciously, I mean, consciously or unconsciously, but if they're, if they're basically, you know, blurting it on other people or directing it to other people, it's really just an unconsciousness around not recognizing that what's really at the root of this is maybe their sense of own anger or frustration or limitation. And then the thing is, we know that whatever we resist persists. So if we don't, if we don't take the time to- I think you should repeat that. Oh, really? Okay. So if <laughs> whatever, whatever we, resist, we resist persists, it does. It does. And if we don't take the time to say, wait a minute, what's underneath this anger and irritability right now and this frustration? Because we continue to be in the unknown. But the fact that we're not taking the time to reflect, and I think a lot of parents, this is what's really challenging. And also single parents, parents who have little kids who, you know, the, there's no one that they can say, hey, you know what? Can you help me out? And it's it's just heightened. And I think, you know, kudos to these people who have young children who are doing the best they can. And of course, we're going to fail. Everybody fails. We fail moment to moment sometimes, right? And then we're like, okay, let's try this again. But, you know, this idea of entitlement, I think, also comes from, again, an, unconscious, an, an unconsciousness where there's not an awareness of, wait a minute, where is my joy or my happiness or my sense of stability coming from? Well, you know what? I, I, I agree with you 100% on that. I think also that it's easier to give your kids something than fight them about it. You know, it's like, all right, you know what, here, here's this or, or whatever. And so they learn very early on that if they're persistent, um, that they'll get what they're looking for. Right. Because it's right. just a, I don't have time you know, for this or, or whatever. I think parenting today is, is probably harder than at any other time in, our, in the history of, you know, humanity. Um, because it's, it's um, you know, the traditional up until, you know, like the, up until like 50s and 60s, and during the war it was a little bit different, but, um, you know, baby boomers on, it was 
you know, dad went to work, mom stayed home, took after the kids, uh, instilled in them, you know, some sets of values and, and so on. And now, you know, men and women not only have to work, but they want to work. You know, women want to pursue, uh, you know, their their own, uh, uh, you know, their own interests in, in, in having their own money and so on, which I totally, totally get. You know, I remember a couple of my friends, you know, when they had, they took the time off work, like they really extended maternity leaves. And they were like, oh, my God, are you really you're going to come over and visit? I haven't spoke to a grown up in like, you know, <laughs> in like weeks. And they're like, I don't know if I know how to have an adult conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've had friends the same way that, you know, they've had, they've had their baby and they're like, wow, I, I'm just around children all the time. And, and I don't know how to converse. And of course it's hormonal. There's a physiology involved. And I think it's a, it's something that again, going back to this idea of masculine and feminine in the world, that the feminine energy is meant to be with the heart. It's very receptive. It's very creative. And it's not in that sense of, you know, how much we have as a society, especially in the Western world, how much value we've put on the male standard of what it means to be valued and what it means to show up. Meaning that you can have this intellectual or academic conversation. You can talk about politics or what's in the news. And sadly, that imbalance is not something that I think has served many people. No. But, you know, the, the idea that, again, I think there are some parents who love that time with their children, and there are some who struggle with it. And part of it is accepting, I think, yeah, what's your nature? You know, everybody can change, everybody can be malleable, but and, and make a decision to say, well, actually, I did think I would really like being at home as a, as a parent and homeschooling, but now I realize that's not what I like. And, and I think that's, again, really accepting that we're allowed to align with ourselves. But when parents have these young children who are dependent, you know, they, they can't just say, you know, you take care of yourself and, and I'm going to do my own thing. They, they have right. to, they're, they're being forced to show up and roll. Like my brother had said that part of his challenge has been that he's not just the dad, but he also has to be the teacher. And then it's also this sense of, and his wife as well, the sense of, you know, also creating a schedule. And he said it was brutal in the beginning to try to get his children to understand that they still had a schedule, that it wasn't suddenly an early summer vacation. So, you know, arguments, like you said, about going to bed at, at night, bedtime, why? It's, we don't have to get up for school tomorrow. So, so this whole, you know, thing has been very, very uh, challenging. Oh, there's, yeah, there's no question about it. The, the, uh, I find that people are even busier, you know, even though at first it was kind of like, well, I'm kind of bored, but then people have gotten into sort of this movement of, you know, having to, you know, they're working, they're working from home and, you know, they're constantly being interrupted, let's face it, you know, uh, so work, work instead of, you know, maybe six hours or eight hours or whatever is being extended over like 12 hours, uh, yes. just because of the interruptions and going off and making sure your kids are okay or. Your, your spouse is okay um, because they're just as bad as the kids are sometimes. Uh, I'm like, amuse me, you know? Um, and so there's household duties, there's office, you know, all the office stuff to do. Um, and, and what happens is, is there's no time left for the parent on their own. So it would be like, I have no time for me. Everything, you know, you just feel like you're just being sucked out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably, you know, one of the one of the more crucial things is that you know if you don't take care of yourself, you cannot take care of other people. Yeah, absolutely. That should be said again. <laughs> if you cannot take care of yourself, <laughs> then you shouldn't be taking care of other people yeah. because it will make you cranky, irritable, irrational, um, yeah. and you'll just feel like you know everything is just sucking you know the life out of you. Exactly. And I mean, you know, in terms of modeling our, you know, from our parents, what we receive, that is so important. I mean, for my parents, both of them um, immigrants from different countries and, you know, for them come to this country to work hard and make a better living and make a better life than what they had from the countries they came from. And so self-care was like, what? I mean, I had friends in school that had their cabins and cottages and whatever. And that was just like, no, why would we do that? There would, there would be no desire to, to, you know, go out and it was like, no, we have to work. That's the priority. And I think that sadly that doesn't create the model for self-care. And no, I think, 
you know, I think that this is a big but, part I mean, of that's one end of it. But it's also, yeah. you know, uh, we're we're as parents modeling our parents. Yes, that's what that's what I mean. Is that we have to we have to realize that wait a minute that doesn't work for me. I can I can change and I can choose to take care of myself, even though I might not know exactly how to do this. And I think a lot of the parents right now in this experience of, of being at home is that the ones that have good self-care practices are still challenged, but the people that do not have good self-care practices or the ability to just even energetically shift their awareness are really struggling. They're really struggling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's uh, struggle here into a commercial, um, and we will be back in about two minutes. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. This is Things Worth Considering. I'm Gord, and I am here with Alexia, and we're talking about parenting in a pandemic world. Uh, which, whether it's pandemic or not, pandemic just adds more more problems to us. Uh, but parenting is a really important, uh, really important thing. Um, so we were talking about, you know, what, what are some of the things that are getting in the way here? Um, you know, what's what's not happening? I think that too, as the parents have, you know, less and less time, and they're and they're scattered, or and that time isn't necessarily a clock. The time is their mental space as well. You know, like we just talked about that. Uh, is, is just being able to impart values, you know, to, uh, mm-hmm. to their children, you know, that values is just so, so important. You know, when you hear a kid that is racist or making racial comments or is bullying, there is only one place that that came from, you know, exactly that came out of their home somewhere, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I can honestly say my parents, I never, ever heard that, but we had a grandmother who lived with us. It was really old. And she came with those old world language, you know, and, and we'd be kind of horrified when we hear, would hear it, but it was still there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the house. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, you know, just the whole thing of white privilege, I think is, uh, it's not understood. I don't think that white people know what white people actually get, get out of our society. No, we have, I don't think we have any concept of what that is like. Of what privilege means. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. You look at my bank account, I'll tell you how privileged I am. You know, that's a kind of comeback. It's not about money, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's so very different. And so these are the kinds of values, you know, that, um, that happen in our homes that is really, um, not happening. It's not happening right now. You know, it's, uh, um, I think that, you know, everything has really fallen down to, 
in many ways, a survivalist mode. You know, that parents are in a survival mode that we don't want anybody to get sick. We don't want anybody to die. Um, you know, certainly hearing the numbers every single day is incredibly stressful. So, well, that's just it. Again, it goes back to there needs to be more awareness around the recovery and also knowing that, you know, even though the the test has a, a, a relatively large margin of of, uh, of false negatives, it's also realizing that again, people we can we don't need to be afraid of being ill or getting sick. We will get sick. We'll get a cold. We'll get a flu. Things go around. All sorts of things. Yep. But going back, to, yeah, anything, right? <laughs> and and imparting. So this whole cluster, this cloud, this nebulous of fear that's there. I think that. It's it's creating again this compression, and I think parents that are um, in the situation are. I mean, I've talked to people that are on both sides. Some are really, as I said earlier, really loving it, and others are really struggling and saying this has been really hard. We're exhausted, you know. I'm irritable, um, and again, going back to around moral values, this does show us how much work we have to do on ourselves, and it shows the parents as well how much work they have to do so that they can impart moral values with their children and show that, wait, and even in difficult times, what is it that we value? How do we treat each other? You know, how do how, when I'm irritable, what do I do? Do I blast at somebody? Do I bully them? Do I control them? Do I criticize them? Or do I basically take myself and say, Hey, I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable or I'm feeling whatever. And of course this is easier said than done. But it, it is, it's really magnifying the need and sadly how, as a collective, we have failed to impart what, what, what value is in life. What do we really value? You know, why are we valuing just money or why are we valuing, you know, uh, things that entertainment where it's like, yes, that's valuable, but is it more valuable than a hospital? Is it? Well, you know, how about, you know, uh, um, you know, come back later, come back later. Daddy has to work, you know. What did we just tell the kid? My work is more important, you know. And we and we so the child walks away feeling, you know, they can't put it into words, but no. they're they're devalued, yeah. you know. And that and that devaluation then becomes, you know, uh, uh, you know, low self esteem and and so on. You know, kids kids have just children have to have attention. They and need they attention. Absolutely. Get, well, adults need attention. Yes, if, yes. Uh, oh God, I need attention. Um, <laughs> if, if a child doesn't get positive attention, a child will take you on inappropriate behavior. It may be hurtful to other people. It, it can be all kinds of, of things from, you know, alcohol and drug use uh, through to, you know, uh, uh, petty theft or be bullying people or whatever. Or And also shrinking where they just become passive and too yes. scared to actually step into the world in any capacity. And, yes. and that suppression, I think, is all in a way a, a, also a, a means of attention on some level. It's a, it's a very silent way of getting attention. Yeah, they're hoping that someone will come along and invite them to come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? exactly. Uh, and I mean, you know, when my brother Andrea, what he was saying was that, that, that part of what he was working with with him and his wife were around how to work with scheduling and, and looking at, you know, this idea of, okay, we can do some work and then we can have playtime or do something that is going to celebrate because it goes back to the children do need attention. They need to be engaged. And I think the fact that they haven't been able to see their friends or hang out with their friends is very, very challenging, especially yes. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a world right now where all these kids are just sort of glued to um, their phones or iPads or whatever yeah, even if you're you're uh, you know old enough, the brain's developed enough, like you're you know eleven, twelve. Uh, but kids that are eight and under, you know, who don't have an intellectual capacity, just because the brain hasn't matured at that at that point, uh, they're like, where? What did they do wrong? You know, where where yeah. are all the, their friends and and so on? You know, so it then becomes you know having play dates via you know Zoom or Skype or. Uh, you know, any of those things. Um, and that's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but it, you know, it has to be set up. Uh, if you are in any way, shape or form, I think, uh, uh, sort of hesitant about technology, you know, then you're not, 
you're, you know, well, come on, watch TV with me or, or whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a nice offer, but these kids need to see their, see their friends, their peer groups, their cousins, their whoever it is that they play with, you know? Uh, And, and, you know, I think acknowledging today's world is it is technology. The only thing that is keeping this world together right now is technology. Otherwise we, we'd be back to a farming community. Yeah. You know, we have, we'd have no way to like, you know, we'll deal, sell, do anything if it wasn't for the fact that we have today's technology. And, And so I think that adults, you know, the parents need to, acknowledge and in some way take part in that technology you know yes you know it it validates children but it also validates that the fact you are living in a technological world things have changed whether you like it or not things have changed yeah long gone are the you know the whole idea of of of, uh you know even in terms of books and i think part of you know the the idea of working with um the schools, like so much of the schools, many of the schools have computer access and, and that's needed in terms of having some skills, some level of being able to function it depending on what, but there's a limit because I think it comes down to a balance where we still need, just like, you know, with Rudolf Steiner, pardon me, and the Waldorf community and all of this, where there's lots of, of, of returning to the land, returning to the sense of, wait a minute, let's pay attention to nature because we, again, we have to make sure we are including both. This is not, you know, technology is great, but it cannot be everything because we know in society, there's a massive nature deficit, especially in cities. Oh yeah. Nature deficit is a huge issue. And the same for kids. That's why the outdoor schools are programs to be connecting with nature, not be afraid of getting dirty, not be afraid of insects and be, you know, learn about them and learn how to communicate. That's why, so many of the land-based cultures that have these relationships with all these creatures, all these beings, to be able to have, again, the idea of relationship. What does it mean to have a relationship with technology and a relationship to life? And right. now, you know, this is, this is a big thing that I think um, the parents that I know who are really enjoying their time, <clears throat> pardon me, <laughs> pardon me, is that they are being able to actually appreciate the idea of sharing outdoors with their children in a way that they haven't before for a long time mm-hmm. because of the demands of, of work and the pace. And I think that's a very, very healing thing. Right. Right. No, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it's healing, um, not just in terms of being with the land, I think being with your family, you know, and actually being present. Very the biggest huge. gift you will give yes. is being a present. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, like yes. not not with one eye on the on a computer screen and one eye on the kid and one eye on your wife. Like, you know, literally, it's to be present. That there's an idea of called you know in therapy it's called holding space. You know, and it's like, yeah, people struggle with that. What is, what does that mean to hold space? And it just means just to simply be there without judgment. You know, with compassion and empathy, being. In, in in sort of that whole thing and just allowing the person to say what they need to say. Yeah. It's a beautiful gift. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an awesome gift and, and it's, you know, why it is so awesome is because most of us have no idea what that would really feel like. Until you're around people or you are in the presence of people or you have just, you touch it for a moment where suddenly you drop in with, without any need to do anything differently. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, There's you know, no the, expectation. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, with the indigenous or land-based cultures, their idea of family, remember, includes all the relations. So it doesn't matter if the if family is in physical and human form or in non-human form. Yeah, I love that. And I that. think that is so beautiful because it allows, I think, human beings to feel and recognize that we are part of nature. We are. This is not something that we are separate from. And I right. think that's been a massive gap in, in at least, you know, I never learned that growing up at all. It was always a sense of nature's there and somehow I'm just here, you know, walking around in it, but it not, not again being present with it. And I think that's it is. is exactly, exactly. Not going in and, and clear cutting it and clearing the land. Yeah, because exactly. that's what I went through as a kid. And, 
you know, bought land and well, I didn't buy it, my parents and, and they, we clear cut it and we built our own place. And, uh, you know, and so on the one hand, that's an amazing, you know, experience. But on the other hand, we weren't just with the land. It was exactly. how we could shape that land, you know. Yeah. And so that wasn't holding space for the land even. No, no. And, and it's, <laughs> you know? a, it's a great, it's a great um, example, Gord, because it's recognizing our ignorance for, you know, in terms of, of, of how we have been in the world and how we've been treating the earth and each other, all of each other, right? Exactly. Is it? Yes. How, how can I change you? Yeah. How can I mold you into what I need you to be, darling? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, but that's how most people are, is like, how do we go in there and, and, you know, we clean cut it and we mold it and we, you know, build a little house on top of you and, and uh, spend every summer there. You know, I mean, and it was a great, great yeah. thing. But when I look back now, one is I'm very grateful for that opportunity. I was at the lake all, all summer long and, you know, the bush and, and so on. That was wonderful. But at the same time, you know, um, it, it wasn't just relating to the land or being with the land. It was right. how we could shape it that I right. learned. Right. Well, and, and that's a very good point around, I think, also parenting, where sometimes parents, you know, uh, work with their children or relate to their children as if to mold them into something they should be. The belief well, something that will make them be proud. Exactly. You know, people say, oh, you have such wonderful children. Oh, yes. You must have great parents. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that too many times, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, uh, and, and a child learns, you know. I mean, if you look at family systems and so on, uh, you know, the eldest, the eldest kid especially, uh, maybe the top two, uh, their job is to make your family look good. Yeah. You know, do you, how much, do you know how much work that is? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it creates yeah. so much anxiety and sense of pressure around, you know, needing to be perfect and I can't make a mistake. And also there's going to be an eventual collapse of some sort when a child can't sustain that. And it's not their role. But again, it goes back to hopefully as humanity continues through this pandemic, are we waking up? Are we able to see and face and meet these shadow parts of ourselves? Because there's a lot of power in there. And it's, it's sort of reintegrating those parts of ourselves so that we can say no one's perfect. But that's not what we're expecting. Right. You know, I think the, the other thing, too, then, uh, that I think that parents are, are very much, uh, um, you know, involved with is that, um, you know, the whole thing of emotional bonding. You know, is that if you didn't have somebody bonding with you, it's going to be very hard for you to know what that even means. You could feel like there's an emptiness, there's a, you know, there's whatever, but somehow or other, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it has to be modeled back to us. You know, everything that we think we, we have mastered is really nothing more than, than uh, uh, you know, I think what, what people have taught us. We didn't come up with this oh, unless we did it as an adult. Definitely. And, and unless, unless, exactly, unless we did it as an adult, but you know, in, in younger years, it is this sense of, I'm just going to model what was in my household, what I right. witnessed, what I witnessed. This is how I'm supposed to be treated. And this is how I'm going to treat others. Yeah. And I think that is um, of course the cause of, look at, we know domestic violence is up during this time. There's a tremendous amount of suffering and it's all these wounds being exposed oh, as this, you know, compression continues, right? Right up to the national level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, we're going to take a break here and uh, we'll be back in two minutes with Gord and Alexia. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories, it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. 
This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back to Things Worth Considering. And we're considering parenting in a pandemic. Uh, All the, the... pieces of that uh, that we have to consider. We actually, just before the break, we just talked about uh, sort of all of the, uh, the Nixon, cra- you know, all the stuff that's sort of bubbling up. And I said, even at the national level, you know, yeah. we can't ignore in terms of what has been happening in America. Uh, also in, in, uh, in Canada as well, in Toronto, uh, there's lots of, of demonstrations as well. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh just the inappropriateness of not allowing, you know, sort of healthy demonstrations and threatening to bring in the army is just the, the worst thing I could ever hear. And I mm-hmm. think it is for a lot of people, you know, it's, it's, it's just absolutely frightening. Um, you know, I think that one of the things that reminds me, you know, of, of the person running that country right now is, you know, authoritarian is to understand sort of what we're like maybe as parents, you know, in, in terms of what we could learn from that. So, you know, Diane um, uh, Bowman-Run, she did work, you know, a number of years ago. And she basically established, which has more or less become part of the, the understanding of parenting, that there's four styles. One is authoritarian, and then one is authoritative, mm-hmm. and then one is permissive, and the other one is just uninvolved. Um, and they're kind of interesting, you know. Um, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, so what does authoritarian tell us? It's kind of obvious you know yeah. is that you know um, you know they're, they're they're often just thought of as disciplinarians it's really strict discipline no negotiation punishments common uh, you know communication is mostly one way <laughs> there's no you know nothing going back and forth is from the parent down to the child uh, rules are usually not explained uh, my dad's favorite was he was not an authoritarian but my dad's favorite was don't do as I do, do as I say. Um, <laughs> puff, puff, have a cigarette. Right, um, right. I'm eight years old. He's grabbing the cigarette out of my hand. Um, <laughs> but dad, you're smoking and I want to be like you. Um, that would be like a standard, you know, don't do yeah. as I do. Uh, you know, often parents that are authoritarian are not very nurturing. And they have very, very high expectations. And there's not a lot of flexibility there. If you don't yeah, and I think, you know, as soon as I, I see that, I get this sense of, you know, again, historical, uh, whether there's trauma or whatever was there in the past around, you know, fear or scarcity. And somehow I think when we are caught up in our own wounding, we just are operating from a place where we cannot see beyond the wounds and then it's just projected and it's me- it's meant to be a sense of okay i'm going to stay safe this way or this is how i can protect my child is if i make very rigid rules and you know teach them the hard way then somehow they will survive and they will do better in society and and i think that this is very challenging and on and again when people when we don't offer in terms of our education systems and in terms of our community services around how do we basically help parents and help each other raise good people 
raise people that can communicate well and to be able to be nurturing or be empathetic or be compassionate or listen or hold space. This is, this is why this COVID-19 experience is, is exposing so many layers of systems that do not work, at least for the betterment of all. Exactly. Exactly. I think that, you know, uh, if we, as long as we can, we learn from it, you know. Uh, so permissive parenting. So what's um, what do you think permissive is? Well, it makes me think of friends that I had in high school, and their parents were like their best friends. And yeah. I just, you know, they were just kind of hanging out, you know, a little too much, or just basically, hey, yeah, this is great, and and you know, really confiding, especially in high school, like very a little bit. It was it was bizarre for me because my parents weren't like that. But um, it was very interesting in terms of friends of mine that that had very permissive parents. So that's how I understand it. Yeah, well, uh, certainly, you know, often the uh, lax is, is the opposite of strict, that's for sure. Uh, and they'll often let kids just be on their own and figure out their own problems. You know, uh, they don't really want to sit down and hear everything, you know, but they're going to leave you on your own. They're, they are much warmer than, say, the authoritarian. Uh, and, and nurturing, um, you know, but it's not, um, you know, there's just like the expectation is you don't know what your parents expect of you. Mm-hmm. You know, the other one is such a high standard and this one's like such a low standard. It's just like, you know, you're not even sure what to expect of yourself. And actually, so the opposite can actually happen. Perfectionism can out of this just as easily, you know, in order just to get someone yes. to acknowledge sure. you. Sure, yeah. sure. And I think that would be very, very challenging for a child because the sense of, uh, oh, I, there's no direction or there's no guidance. I think that that is tremendously difficult for children. It is. It is because what they end up doing is second guessing. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, always, they're always, you know, second guessing what, I wonder what they really want. And so, you know, out of that, you know, uh, well, and that sort of goes into the next one, which is the uninvolved parent, uh, mm. is... You know, getting getting to those either of those two is you know the kid is second guessing as to what would make them say, oh, you know, I love you or you're such a great kid or you know, great work at, at school or whatever. Is this like, you know, the the uninvolved parent? I mean, it's just saying uninvolved tells you everything. Well, and and that would be, I think, worse on some level. I mean, all of them because when when someone is uninvolved, it's a sense of you know, it's, it almost draws a line uh, or sorry, it almost reminds me of that sense of just kind of ignoring someone's presence and, and not really seeing them. It's just sort of like, oh, well, you know, oh, you're doing that. Okay. That's fine. But there's no, there's no sense of being seen for the child. Right. You know, I think that that also can create a tremendous amount of anxiety. All of them, all of them can. Yeah. You know, the, the unadvolved parent, you know, what I think of when I, I look at that example is the the uh, having a famous parent who's who's you know more concerned about their press and publicity and media and uh, and work and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the kids kind of like, hey, hey, hello, I'm here, you know, and not getting yeah. not getting any of their needs met hardly at all. Often they're people who didn't really want to be parents. Very interesting. You know. Just because you have children doesn't mean that you want it to be a parent. I agree. I you agree. know, it's yeah, a biological absolutely. function. It happens. Right. Uh, and the route you chose, you know, with, from the pregnancy was to maintain it and have the child. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's great for the child. Right. Right. You know, right. I think a child that doesn't have any discipline or feels like, you know, the, the parent's uh, career or the, the parent's appearances and clothing and all that kind of stuff, you know, their next hit record or whatever is more important than they are, uh, those kids get into a lot of trouble. Oh, a lot of trouble. Without structure, without some kind of guidance that's within balance, absolutely, kids yep. will, will will get into trouble, definitely. Yeah, They're looking yeah. for community. They're looking for their own tribe. They're looking for validation. Enormous, absolutely yeah. enormous. So that leaves us the last one, the authoritative parent. All right, so this actually is a style that is, is thought in, in tons and tons of studies, it's believed that this is probably the most beneficial to children. Okay. You know, uh, and it's where that, you know, disciplinary rules are clear. See, the uninvolved and the, the permissive, it's just, it just isn't. 
you know, uh, you're not really sure until you break the rule and then they tell you what the rule was, you know, um, it's kind of like, I was always going through life going, did you get a rule book? Cause I didn't get one. You seem to know what you're doing. <laughs> um, and I was, I felt like I was always guessing, you know? Um, and I think the last thing you want is children guessing, you know, yeah. in terms of what, what's expected of them. Uh, and why is it expected? In other words, it's, 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 uh, it's reasoned out for them. So, uh, communication is frequent and appropriate to the child's level of understanding, not the parents spewing off, you know, very different, very it's, different, it's a whole way to different thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, have you told your kid about sex? Well, yeah, of course, you know, but it's like, did you really need to go like that in depth? Um, you know, it's like when children ask you about the birds and the bees, then you tell them about the birds and the bees, you know, they do not need, you know, a, a, an intensive course in human sexuality, right. Uh, right. you know, which, which seems to fall into people. Uh, third traded parents are nurturing. Uh, expectation of goals are high, but they're stated and the children actually have input. Well, and I think that's a beautiful thing. It reminds me of um, Marshall Rose, Rosenberg's work with nonviolent communication, where it's the sense of, you yes. know, communication around feelings and needs. And he uses the example of, you know, either you're listening with jackal ears or the giraffe ears. And the jackal is like the sharp teeth and the sharp ears, which is basically a sense of, uh, you know, it's going, you're going to be attacked or there's going to be a demand. It's not a request. And, you know, if it's a giraffe, then basically the giraffe is more open-hearted and going, oh, really? And there's curiosity and there's a reciprocity and acknowledgement that there are needs on both sides. But it is, a, it's again, that's something that that would be wonderful if that was taught in schools. Right. And I mean, we, we have lots of diverse cultures as well. And part of, I think the issue is, is that there's not a rule book for anyone in terms of how to be or do life everyone is different on how to, how to do their life. But if we look at humanity in terms of supporting each other and with parents in particular, that I think it's probably the most important job in the world is to be a parent. Absolutely. It's, it's, and, it's probably the only thing we don't have to have a license for. And we yeah, should. <laughs> right. Well, well, I think that at least it's some supports in terms of, you know, working with an emotional awareness, but but again, the child also, we all know that we go through our lives and we, we realize, okay, I'm responsible for me. My parents did what they did or did what they didn't do. And now I have to move on. And that doesn't, doesn't take, it doesn't happen easily, right? Depending right. on what your childhood was, was like. Well, you know, there's, there's, a, uh, there's one line of, uh, well, you know, oh, you're such a good parent. How do you do this? Is a parent saying to their child, you're such a good parent. How did you do this? And it's like, well, I think of the situation and I would think, now, how would she have handled this? And then I do the exact opposite, <laughs> um, which is funny. Um, uh, it but is. it's also true. It's also true. It's People very true. The exact opposite. Um, but there's no rationale behind it, though. You know, that's that's the whole thing. You know? Well, what I like about this authoritative um, um, parenting, what you've described, is that really getting a sense of clarity around, you know, there's there's clarity involved because even though we have unknown, clarity means that it's not necessarily, okay, that's the outcome, but it's the ability to get a sense of the rationale behind it. And look, there may be consequences if this happens, and how are you going to handle the consequences? So that, that you know, discussion is really a collaboration. But again, the parent is still in a place of being the authority for the child, because exactly. I think when children are in a you know, a place where they start to call their parents by their first name at the age of five or six or eight. It's like, what, what just happened there? What, what just yes. happened? And, and I mean, that might be a judgment, but it, it also is very interesting to say, what did, why did the child suddenly feel that they can now say that my parent is equal to me at this level of, you know, I'm under 10? Right. Absolutely. Even under 20. I would no more have called my parents <laughs> at 50 by, by their, their first names because I would have been treated the same as if I was 10. That would have been smacked. Right, right, right. right. Just, I just, do, jokingly. I, I do refer to my parents by their first names, but not in a, not in a, you know, oh, you know, not in my in regular conversation. It would just be 
a, like a regular address. It would be, you know, hey, Cristo, how are you doing? Or my dad's name is, is Chris. But, um, you know, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't phone and say, Chris, how are you? You know, I, I that right. wouldn't happen. <laughs> I, you know, anytime I heard that, even as a kid, you know, or in my teens, I was just always like horrified. I was just like, oh my God, that is so disrespectful. Well, it's interesting because someone could argue how, why is it disrespectful? Is that just a perception? And, you know, if the parent doesn't feel it's disrespectful, then it's like, well, maybe it isn't. That's what I, I find it, again, though, confusing, potentially. It's confusing. Let's put it that way. It's confusing because I don't yeah. think that there's an answer, you know. No. Uh, I, I wanted just to bring up before we, we wrap up here, um, you know, Jennifer Senior, she is the author of a book called All Joy and No Fun, uh, The Paradox of Modern Parenting. She great says something title. really important. Great title. Isn't, isn't that a great title? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that children learn from the world through doing, touching, and experiencing. Adults, on the other hand, we tend to take the world in through our heads. You know, get out of your head. Uh, yeah, reading books, watching television, and swiping at touchscreens. And so we've got this huge dichotomy now with the technology in terms of how we're learning. Very and, interesting. You know, uh, uh, again, if you you need to meet, you know, the you need to meet your your student, your child, whoever. At their level, you can't bring them up to ours, you know, and from there you get to go. So unfortunately, we're out of time on this show. Uh, we're going to be back again next week, and we're going to have part two of the parenting pandemic. Uh, and and uh, there's lots to say about that. So uh, thank you for listening, and we will look forward to seeing you. Be well, be safe, and we'll be back next week. Bye, Bye now. for now. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your host, Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.